thank you for joining us on a special edition of the Comics Pals. We promised you guys that we would be hitting you with a an overview of Watchmen. And that's what we're here to do today. We're looking at Watchmen across the original, the Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons classic, and then it's two splinters, which are HBO's Watchmen, primarily by Damon Lindelof and everybody else, and Doomsday Clock which, of course, is by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Now, I'm joined by the pals, of course. We're all here. And we poured over those three pieces of content to see how they overlap, what Damon's and Jeff's versions got right and wrong about the original and how they kind of extrapolate from it, and, you know, kind of where we land as far as what we like and what we don't. Uh, up front, we omitted before Watchmen from this for time purposes. And, I mean, there's just so much of that. And down the road, we'll probably get to it. But for now, this is going to be our sort of statement on all the Watchmen content that's been released aside from before Watchmen. So, I want to start this... Well, actually, I want to start this by letting you guys know that you can find us all over the internet at The Comics Pals. If you have thoughts about Watchmen that you want to share with us, you can do so by writing to us at thecomicspals.gmail.com. Of course, on social media, you can get us at The Comics Pals. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hi, uh, you can leave us a like, drop us a comment, subscribe to our channel, share this video with your friends. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you, and we really appreciate it. So... I want to start this by getting the thoughts of the two individuals on this show who were not present ever for a review of HBO's Watchmen, which would be Pete and Phil. Kale and Marco and myself did a show called We Watched Watchmen. There are nine episodes of that out right now that you can check out if you want our full thoughts. We will talk about our thoughts on the show as they relate to this conversation, but for the most part, if you want to hear our in-depth thoughts Go over there, and if you want our full in-depth thoughts of the Watchmen comic book, the original, we've got a book club for you for that. So why don't we start with Pete? What are your thoughts on HBO's Watchmen? So I I really enjoyed the show, um, and I I edited uh, we watched Watchmen, so I definitely got a sense from you guys that it was going to be of high quality. So I went in with you know um, higher expectations than I probably would have if I just watched the first episode in real time, uh, and and I was happy to to find that I agreed with your your ex, um, your reviews of it because I I think it serves as a really good follow-up to Watchmen because I think it has connective tissue and connection to kind of the legacy characters in a way that feels authentic versus like fan servicey. It's always in service of the plot, not in service of you as a fan of Watchmen, you know? And I think it's decision to like truly move forward and have a lot of the focus be on new characters that we didn't know or very different versions of characters that we did know um, was to its benefit. And I think it had a number of, uh, you know, pretty, like, really, really well-executed storylines. I think the only one that lagged for me, which was seemed to be the same for you guys, was kind of Adrian's. Um, I like his overall role in the plot, but his whole, you know, dalliances on, um, on, on the moon of Jupiter were, I think... They spent a lot of time on it that I would have rather spent with all of the other stuff that was going on because it was so well executed. 
Um, and I, I do have a f- not necessarily criticisms, but definitely uh, a few takes on it that are we'll we'll develop more in this conversation. But overall, you know, high praise for me. I think it's a must watch for sure. Phil, um, it was good. I I think there were ideas that were really well executed that I really appreciated. So what I my kind of greater impression here was I like that it felt like Damon Lindelof took the intent of what Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons were trying to do with Watchmen and apply it to a television show. Uh, I felt like in a lot of ways that they were trying to do a deconstruction of the comic book medium. There was, uh, I had a sense uh, with 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 the main story arc of like a deconstruction of film and TV that I really appreciated. However, I felt that a lot of the actual Watchmen stuff felt tacked on, it, or, or not well developed. Um, like the stuff with like the Minutemen was excellent. Like I like where how that unfolded, but when it actually came to stuff involving, like, Doctor Manhattan or or uh, Ozymandias, I I felt like which is what how the second half of the show really the, the 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 direction it goes. I felt like it was a little less inspired, but everything involving primarily new characters or taking less fleshed out things from the Watchmen book and, and weaving those into new ideas were really good. Mm. Interesting. Overall, I think Watchmen, the book, is a, a book of ideas and abstractions, and I think that's what the show was as well. I, I, I think it had a lot of ambitious ideas that I really appreciated. It didn't... It, it tried things. And even if I don't think it was... it. Even if I had the impression that maybe it didn't work super well cohesively over nine episodes, I like that they tried things in a way that we'll talk about later when we juxtapose the other Watchmen stuff. But it it in a, in an era where I feel like so much media is safe, I felt like the show really wanted to try something different. Okay, cool. So. You know, keep that in mind as we go forward. We're going to talk about the show a lot more. And by the way, if you haven't watched the show for whatever reason, uh, A, do it. B, you will be spoiled 110% if you yeah, if you continue you to listen. will be spoiled. Yeah. Uh, also, of course, with Doomsday Clock and the original Watchmen, if you still haven't read that uh, somehow. <laughs> so I think that... The, the three Watchmen stories that we're looking at here are all, they're all sort of similar, but Doomsday Clock and HBO's Watchmen, they, they, they take what Watchmen did best, which was throwing the rules out the window, and they try to tell a cohesive, strong narrative about something very specific within that. And... That is something that's very hard to do. Uh, Phil made mention of the fact that the show tries to be different. Uh, and, and even if it doesn't always succeed, at least it's not, you know, the same old stuff. Yes. 
So I, I really want to want to start the conversation by talking about what it is that Doomsday Clock and HBO's Watchmen take from the original and how those things that they take inform the story. And I think that the the real like apex point from which you can see that both borrow the most is in what Ozzy does. It's in it's in Ozzy's plan because Ozzy's plan is basically the driving factor of the original Watchmen. And both Doomsday Clock and the show make specific points to make what he did very important moving forward. Which do you think did that better? I before we get to that question, I think it's also it's also interesting that in Doomsday Clock, I think you could say overall Ozzy's plan fails, whereas in the show, I think it succeeds. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. So, I, I think my answer to this is uh, kind of the primary point I want to bring up when juxtaposing the show versus Doomsday Clock, which is I think that I think that the show does it better because I it feels more integral to the plot. I like I think in Doomsday Clock, the it almost feels like that event is just the ex- inciting excuse to set up the story that John's wanted to tell. Whereas I feel like the show is more interested in in exploring how because obviously right if the plan fails and the world ends there's no more story left in that universe whereas this is really interested in in exploring the ramifications of not only his plan but also the actions of characters like dr manhattan and how that leads to vietnam becoming the 51st state and and that's that influences the overall plot and how it arcs in a way way more direct way than what um what doomsday clock does and I think Doomsday Clock does a better job of feeling like Watchmen in the way of, like, of art, whereas I think the, the show does a better job of trying to pull on the threads that were established in the original and take them to not necessarily like logical endpoints, but to you know really, really try to flesh out the world beyond just what was already there. I think I think uh, to that there's also something to be said about how grand each sort of sequel takes the uh, the Ozymandias sort of message. So I, I, as much as they sort of uh, in Doomsday Clock uh, find out the truth, the the story continues to compound into an even larger sort of event. So I I do agree that it is sort of an inciting moment. For, for Doomsday Clock, um, but I think it's important just because it, it also carries, uh, continues to carry that that uh, grandiose plan. Like, Ozymandias is still sort of the central character who is trying to, who is trying to still uh, find this larger, out there way to, to save the, to save essentially the universe, or uh, at least his, his Earth. Whereas, the the show takes it to like a much my, more micro level, which is uh, I think to me was more effective from a story perspective because uh, to your point, they uh, to your point, Kale, they they in in the show, Ozymandias' plan succeeds. 
So I, I think I think because they take they take an, into two different directions, it also provides context for where from there the story continues to go. I think yeah, I think in the show, uh, what it does really well is because Ozzy's plan succeeds, it it gives it gives us a world that we don't know, and it it allows itself to to. Uh, it it allows the people who who made the show to to build the world around that. Uh, whereas Doomsday Clock really it it brought the Watchmen characters and ideas to a world we already know and tried to make them fit that mold, or the the ideas of that world fit the Watchmen mold. And who are comparatively in a similar situation as what what had been happening in Watchmen? I, I think I think the intent from creative was different. Ultimately, I, I think I think Jeff Johns was trying to tell a more meta textual story about comic books, juxtaposing you know a deconstruction with something more straight faced. Whereas I think here with the television show, I think I think he was trying. I think Lindelof was trying to make parallels between the context that the Watchmen book came out with with how I I don't I feel like he doesn't think okay. So Watchmen was written at the high or, or, or at the tail end of the Cold War when when people were still thinking that imminent nuclear winter was going to take place between the Soviet Union and the United States. And the world that has actually emerged since then is a world where there's a lot of thawing of geopolitical conflict. There is no threat of you know, thermonuclear war across the planet anymore, really. And that's true in the show as well. So Ozzy effectively did create a world peace environment, but in the real world, without needing a giant alien, the world doesn't look dissimilar from the world that Damon Lindelof is created in the Watchmen TV show. Instead of having um, to worry about, you know, the Russians or whatever, it's it's more about trauma of a culture, which is what we're dealing with in the real world now. The United States isn't dealing with as much as some people want to paint actual geopolitical adversaries, it's more about our own past that we're confronting as a country. And that's what happens here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's, that's really how the show diverges the most from, from either one of them, because the show takes an angle that the original Watchmen doesn't really address, which is, race and the ways that you know culture have impacted our society and where we're at and obviously that was a very different time and those things were more under the surface and there were more i mean i don't want to say this dismissively but there were more pressing matters in the at the forefront of most most people's minds um so the the thing that the thing that the that both doomsday clock and uh, HBO's Watchmen do is they give us a character who represents the human cost of Ozzy's saving the world. So in the show, we get Looking Glass, you know, 
And then in the comic, we get Wade, uh, Reggie, uh, the new Rorschach. And both of them are tormented by what Ozzy did. Both of them were either in proximity to it or they outright witnessed it. And their lives have been irreverably, irreverably altered by this, this horrific event that takes place. And I love both of these new characters. And I think that they add a necessary wrinkle that the original Watchmen was never able to really address. Which was, okay, cool, yeah, so you saved the world. I, I guess in Doomsday Clock, he really kind of didn't. But just in the in the original Watchmen, you save the world, but how are people going to live after this? And the answer in both cases is that they're not. Because in the, in the well, in the comic, um, Doomsday Clock, everyone literally dies. Like, the world ends. And in the show, <laughs> yep. people are still alive, but people who, like, millions and millions and millions of people are affected by what was done, and millions, like, other millions just died outright. So, it was a horrible thing. And it's easy to, and, and I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this, we moralized on both sides when we did the review of Watchmen, and we talked about whether or not it was worth doing, what Ozzy's choice. And the, both of these um, futures, these splinter timelines, offer us a look at what could have happened if Watchmen had continued. And both of us show that in one way or another, it wasn't right. It, it didn't, it, like, for, the, for, for people, it didn't work out so great. So... To respond to that, I definitely agree with you because I think it's clear that that's one of the themes, right? But I also think it's hard to argue with what Kale said in that I do th I do look at the Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, as uh, as an example of a success from Ozzy's uh, actions because I I think looking at you know Doomsday Clock, I think it's it's clear that the world probably would have just ended. Right, had had he not intervened and and orchestrated his master plan, and I I wouldn't argue that it was good or the right thing to do necessarily, but you also look in like the world is still alive and lots of people are experiencing trauma from it, and there are a lot of um, ramifications, both like the human cost of life and how it affected the world society. But I think you can't argue that like any world event like that, any mass catastrophe, any geopolitical event like that is going to have that effect to some degree. And if the alternative is nuclear winter and the end of life on Earth, then, you know, um, I would say that it was a success, but that doesn't that doesn't make Ozzy a good guy or make it like the right thing to do. He played God and gambled and it happened to work out. Okay. You know? Um, but to your point, doomsday clock shows a very different scenario where the world ends anyway. I think one thing that's interesting and, and especially when you compare these two specific characters is that they're basically Rorschach clones looking glass has the the mirror-esque mask whereas uh reggie wears the the actual rorschach mask and it's funny because in the at the end of hbo's watchmen uh looking glass does put on a rorschach mask yeah yeah 
Oh, also, that's right. That's there's right. Also, I think there's the clear mirroring of the fact that that is where he's more comfortable with that face. You know, like when he's at home alone, relaxing, That that's what he's wearing. You know? Yep. Yeah. Re- referring to, to uh, looking, looking glass. glass. Well, yeah, but the 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 thing to keep in mind there is that he does that because of how traumatized he is by yes, what right. he, by what happened right yeah of course he's of course. constantly reflecting everything off uh, it's like very overt symbolism uh, the other thing that really drives home the Rorschach analogy is him like sitting in his bunker eating beans with a mask half up his face it's kind of stuff uh, Walter Kozak's uh, or Kovacs actually did. Uh, in Watchmen. Kale, you were driving somewhere, weren't you? I was, but I don't remember where I was. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> we were just we were just looking at those two characters and, you know, uh, how they were impacted by Ozzy's decision-making. But if you can't remember, yeah, remember. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm going to respond to what Pete said. Because I think, I think that the show... The, okay, so you guys said that the show represents a successful future for Ozzy's choice. And I think that that that's an interesting way to look at it because several characters talk about how the world has stopped moving. Yeah. They mm. if you look at them technologically, they don't have what we even have now. Uh, yep. and they're they're on the same track. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Night Sisters using a fucking pager. Right. They, they don't <laughs> yeah. even have cell phones. They yeah. don't have the internet. It doesn't exist. Uh, so they're stuck. They have the same president that they had way back then. Um, nothing has moved forward. Clearly, race relations have not moved forward. They're, they're, they're still dealing with the same stuff as they were before. They just took away the threat of the end of the world. Even Ozzy, who, you know, was successful, is stuck. He's frozen because no one knows what he even did and if they did doomsday clock happens so right. it's it's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting thing because yeah the world kept turning but even at the end of the book and i specifically want you to respond to this pete at the end of the not the book but the show he, uh Oz, when when ozzy is is captured and laurie kind of says hey man you gotta go to jail too dude you killed three million people <laughs> and he's like well what are you gonna do arrest the president she's like yeah and he's like okay uh, so then the world is just going to end because people are going to go back to where they were. We're still there. And she's like, well, everyone says that. We might as well just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's exactly where I feel like the the show really succeeded in, like, the message is, like, it doesn't matter the shitty situation. It doesn't necessarily matter what happens. Uh, one or the other is going to happen. And there isn't really anything that anybody can do to stop either scenario uh so taking the chance is taking the chance but it's always a crapshoot right you could you could not have done that and found peace but that's still a crapshoot it, it doesn't doesn't matter I, I the that's what I, I i liked about that um and the reason i consider it a success to pete's point is that at the end of the day the world continued continued to turn but the people who are dealing with the trauma i mean you have the 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 understanding that that world's going to continue going right to, to Lori's point. So the people who are affected by that trauma, we're just looking at it at post X number of years, but you've pl- pushed that forward X number of years. 
the world continues to move. It, it, it doesn't stop and mourn for anything. Like the fall of Rome doesn't affect us today. The same way this, this won't affect us 300 years from now, assumingly because the world continues to turn. Yeah, the events in the Watchmen universe at the beginning of Doomsday Clock, are, I think, are five or six years after uh, Alien Day, V-Day, whatever they're calling Wrong. it, whatever they call it. But the the show is 20 30. or 30. It's now right. compared to yeah. when Watchmen came out. And and also push back on that, the, the other aspect is there are characters who very deliberately push back on, on Adrian, like Lady True... Mm-hmm. Her whole thing is like, you didn't go far enough. Like, yeah, we didn't fix everything. Right, like, all the problems we have in this planet, like you didn't fix anything really. Well, and what well, I guess to respond to the question that you posed, Sean, is I I I definitely agree with what Marco's putting down. Where the fact that you know, e- even if right after this the world goes to shit and everything, it still lasted for thirty years. Like that's. You know, that, that's and extended the timeline long enough for a character like Lady True to, to come forward, you know, or in, in universe, a person like her to come forward, to be born and actually, you know, be someone who has a bigger vision for fixing the world. And granted, you know, she is kind of a megalomaniac and not necessarily the person to do that. But, like, the clone of her mother, Bien, like, seems to be... Like, a, you know, a more grounded person with a similar level of intelligence. And maybe she's the one to save the world in, you know, another few years or ah, whatever. Pete, you know? you've activated my trap card. So, oh, <laughs> uh, quickly, before we do that, one more thing about the Rorschachs. Uh, they also, in both versions, get their form of justice. Yep, absolutely. Uh, looking mm. Glass uh, arrests Adrian with uh, Laurie and... Uh, Reggie saves Adrian before he can actually die so that he will face justice. Right. And I love that in both versions, that's his future. That's Adrian will face yeah. justice for his crimes. Yeah. It sort of it sort of goes to show that I, I think maybe the overall message is in that particular moment, maybe Rorschach was onto something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what I was going to respond to Pete with is a quote actually from the end of issue eight of Watchmen and it is by H.L. Mencken and it is the urge to save humanity is almost always a false front for the urge to rule. Now we see that Ozzy in every timeline will always try to save humanity from itself. Lady True also tries to save humanity from itself. So does uh, Senator Keene. He thinks he has the solution. Obviously, he's a white supremacist, but in his mind, he's got to figure it figured out. All of those people will fail. We know that because of this quote. Like, obviously, the quote is not is not uh, the Bible. It's not what's informing all of this. But it is a. It, I would say it's 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 a truth that. That these characters, in their nature, their desire to save humanity is one-to-one with their desire to also rule humanity. Ozzy is mad because he doesn't get recognition for what he chose to do. If Robert Redford works with him, Ozzy rules humanity from behind the scenes. 
Uh, if Lady True is successful and she becomes Dr. Manhattan, what Ozzy said happens. She will rule, but everyone will have to pay the price for her doing the quote-unquote right thing. So my thought in response is if you are granted you know, 30 years of extra life before the world then goes back to where it was before and now we're faced with nuclear holocaust again, was it worth delaying the inevitable instead of letting the natural course of action play itself out and see what happens my re- my response to that would definitely be like as a as a, a 27 year old yeah i mean i would rather i would rather live at, at all than dot than ne- that, never that's, existed that's extremely the, selfish because well, the difference three years will make man let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's when the world ends so that's that, perfect that's an extremely selfish point of view because there's millions of people that you are subjecting to torment because you feel like living another 30 years i mean it's billions of people who die though then you know they're gonna die anyways to, to, to that point, though, Sean, the natural course of the world what is exactly that. Like, it's not a choice between the natural course of the world or Holocaust. The, that very much is the natural course, regardless of what, what you do. It goes back to the thing is it doesn't matter what you do. It's a crapshoot either way. Yeah, and I would say to respond to that is, you know, that's like – that's the struggle of all living creatures, right? I mean, if if, if your attitude is that, like, you're, we're all going to die eventually, so why not try to survive? Like, that's the struggle of the species, you know? Like, every living creature does that. Every living creature fights to survive and to breathe as many breaths as you can steal away before you get stuck back in the ground, you know? But that's your choice as an individual person. Uh, you don't make that decision for millions and millions of other people. In fact, we're not even talking about allowing people to live or die only. We're talking about allowing people to live, millions and millions of people, allowing them to live in an extreme amount of pain and distress because of something that you chose to do versus allowing what's going to happen to happen. And, and, and I didn't th- argue that he was right to do it. I said that it was a successful outcome but for what he did. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what you just said, which was the struggle of humanity to continue yeah. to live on. And I'm saying that a choice was made to force people to live that way in extreme distress just because of Ozzy's desire not to live but to rule, to be the one to have saved humanity. That's a different thing. Now, in addition to that, there's a juxtaposition that only the show makes, and this is why I think the show is so amazing, uh, is the juxtaposition between this catastrophic event that Ozzy causes and the Tulsa race uh, war. Now, both of those events cause generational trauma, which is what the show is about. And you can see based on what happens to uh, the black people that we are confronted with on the show, that that was a terrible thing that had a hundred years worth of baggage. Will Reeves was there, and he's still not over it. Uh, Will Reeves' line is still dealing with this problem. Um, And the implication is that black people are dealing with this problem and in the real world we don't need the show to tell us we know that that's true so in in my mind those are two things that can be clearly juxtaposed with one another and i thought that that was a really interesting and smart decision on the part of damon and the crew 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that theme of generational trauma is the thing that's probably the most well realized. You know, it's like that. That really is the the thread between everything and it weaves through not just the plots of the new characters, but also how it ties to the legacy. And I think, um, to the point you made before, right? Like the entire through line of hooded justice's narrative through this entire story is like such a good anchor for like establishing that theme of how, you know, like to your point, like the, the Tulsa, um, race war, is essentially the inciting incident for the culture of superheroes. You know, like all of the events of Watchmen, you can argue, go back to that moment. Like that moment creates hooded justice, which creates Ozymandias. Yeah, absolutely. And to further extrapolate, Will Reeves is the Watchmen universe's Superman. Yes. Yeah. To make that yeah. pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are, there are you know, allegories and everything all over the place with that. And I actually feel, well, we'll I, I make no bones about this. Will Reeves is my favorite Watchmen character. I, I think um, he is the only hero that exists in all of Watchmen. Nah, Lady True. Oh, of course. Here we go. <laughs> but, this but is, I, this I, I will... is why Marco could never rule the world. <laughs> Uh, I will say to to the point of like uh, it's interesting that that Will Reeves is your your favorite character because I think what both books do and I'm sure we'll get into this uh, they both build out characters that fill the world that we all I think enjoyed regardless of it being the show or it being the comic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, definitely. I, I think that was one of the things that that they got right. Uh, was in both yeah in both was yeah. the, the ability mm-hmm. to introduce new characters um that don't feel like uh you know how, like when you get a season two of something and it's all these new characters and you're like oh, i just want the old characters back i never right. really yeah. felt like that did anyone did anyone no. feel like that no mm-hmm. i de- definitely not um i think the the fact the decision to acknowledge that watchmen is a book about legacy and that for you to make a proper follow-up to Watchmen, there has to be legacy, you know? And um, whether it's Rorschach number two in Doomsday Clock or if it's the Seventh Cavalry, you know, like seeing how heroes' actions, and I say heroes in quotes, actions uh, echo through the world is what Watchmen is about, you know? And the fact that... um, I, I you know I think I think at the end of the day, kind of the central theme of Watchmen is that hero worship is bad, you know, and that like there are really not that like we we put people on a pedestal and that there's a lot that we don't know about them, you know. That's true, but what's interesting? So definitely in the in the original Watchmen, uh, Alan Moore deliberately tries to take these archetypes of popular superheroes and explain why in the real world uh, they are flawed or assholes because effectively pretty much anyone in the original Watchmen is either they're, they're unlikable for various 
like reasons. Even even the more uh, benevolent characters like Net- Night Owl, he he's a sad sack. Like there are still qualities about him that while he's harmless, he's pathetic. Um, in in this HBO show, however, I I think you're. Uh, your referencing of hooded justice as being kind of a Superman allegory is appropriate because Superman is a character that is, uh, uh, you root for the character because of their cause. And that that's born in both characters. Um, hooded justice is an oppressed champion of marginalized and maligned people. And, and in this country have been for centuries whereas in the, in the roots of Superman it's the it's the champion of an oppressed socioeconomic class and so when you have characters with such a noble cause it, it, it is someone that you actually can root for like I don't while hooded justice is 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 flawed in in his family tree and the complications that delineate from that as as a concept he's a champion of 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 an abstraction he, he's like that in the movie the dark knight the whole he's a symbol i feel like yeah he's like the embodiment of righteous anger yes. you know like because you because to your point like he is a flawed person you know he he was he was a very angry man and he like got lost in his rage but like you can't at all blame him his life has been defined by trauma and oppression and having to lie about who he is you know and and i think uh, sean you called that out in the um in we watched watchmen where it's like his entire life is defined by lying to himself and others about who he is you know and like that you know all of those things how could that not produce somebody who's angry you know like you 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 get it you know like and you root for him because you know you want to see him in in some like you know in some way feel like he sees justice you know and whether that's you know um whatever the cost of that may be but like i don't think to sean's point like i think he is one of the few characters who you can look at that has that isn't compromised in that way that you called out phil where it's like He's not a bad person. He's done bad things, but they're to good ends to bad people. So you give him a pass. And, you know, the the one real character flaw that he has is a necessary defining trait of who he is and what he's experienced. Yeah, and I would also argue that his anger is not... Uh, it isn't a flaw in the sense that it burns away everything around him. I guess you could argue that it damaged his relationship with his family, but that was already damaged because his relationship with June is based on a lie because he's gay and he's not telling her. So uh, there's that. But that was a very different time where if he had said that or if he was open with that, that's a whole host of other issues, which is another thing that makes that character so amazing. But I think I I disagree with the premise that the show is trying to say that hero worship is bad because um, he himself is inspired by Bass Reeves, who was also a hero, but a hero in, in, in cinema. And if it wasn't for Bass Reeves, Will Reeves never exists. And if Will Reeves never exists, so on and so forth. You know, we understand. 
to to respond to that, I agree with you, but I think like what like what Watchmen does to that point or to the a point that Phil made earlier is like it's looking at those archetypes as real people. And I think it's not that hero worship is bad, that like um, him looking up to a fictional character who is an idealized moral character in the way that Superman is, that's not bad, but that's because Superman's not a real person. And behind the scenes, Superman isn't a murderer or a rapist or any of the things that we know almost all of the Watchmen or Minutemen to be. And um, and that that's like more... I guess the point I was trying to make there is that it's I think it, it says that like putting people on a pedestal is bad, like worshiping real people because they're we're all flawed in some way or another. You know, I, I, I disagree because I think Hooded Justice is is an inspiration and he is looked up to. And it's with good reason, because even though he's a murderer, he lives in the real world where, you know, he had to do those things. And it doesn't make him not a good person. Well, oh, I, I, Justice is Will Reeves is. What do you mean? The idea of the yeah, same, similar to the idea of Superman versus Clark Kent. It's it's the idea of Hooded Justice going out and doing a thing and being devoted to to an idea, whereas Will yeah. Reeves is the 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 complicated person behind all that. Right. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't even say that the value judgment that I'm making is about um, the murder or anything like that. It's like to, to the point you made earlier, and this is like going way back, like you you called out that his anger severs his relationship with his, his family. And it also, you know, it causes them pain. And that is to the point you made earlier. It's like whether or not he's doing it for a greater good, like there's an element of um, selfishness there because he's hurting other people to do that. Like he's hurting people he cares about. Whether his relationship's built on a lie or not, like I think, you know, it's clear that he cares about his family and the fact that his relationship to them was severed by his actions as hooded justice, even if they are just. You know, he's he's a complex I I, I agree with you that he's uh, overall his actions are are more good than bad. Um but I think that doesn't make him not complicated. Or flawed. I disagree, but we can move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Lady True. Lady True is a, a character who is a legacy character. She's the daughter of Ozymandias, <laughs> the uh, unwilling, unwitting daughter. Uh, and I have never given myself to a woman. And uh, she has a plan to save humanity. Her plan involves not getting Dr. Manhattan to help out and not some weird, you know, hackney-eyed scheme, but she just straight up wants to be him. She wants to become Dr. Manhattan. And there's a few there's a few thoughts that I have within that. One is, and this is just a question, do you think that if she gets the power, she does what she said she would? And how, do you think that's ultimately better for humanity? No, she's she's she'll be she's a god. She just converts and elevates, and she gets just as bored as John, just as disinterested, uh, and she spins off into her own thing. I think her the her human intentions uh, can try to get her there, but when she quote unquote elevates, nah. I see. I the, the, I agree with you, but I disagree that that's what would happen because I think that the reason that John 
elevates and goes and fucks off and becomes disinterested in humanity is because he was a man of science, you know? And I, I, I think that I totally agree with Ozzy's interpretation of her character in that, like, any human who seeks to attain the power of a god would be a nasty, vengeful god, I think. She's a woman of science, too, in fairness. Yeah. The way she oh, made yeah. all her million, her trillions was in, like, like the medical field, pharmaceuticals That's and stuff. Fair. I didn't mean to equate that she wasn't as intelligent. She's more intelligent than John was before he became Dr. Manhattan, without question. Um, but, I mean, like, her primary goal is the, and through science, is the attaining of power. And the consolidation of power to meet her ends, which she claims are the betterment of of you know the world and and the the inevitable like creating peace and ending world hunger and all these very altruistic goals. But you can also argue that if those were her goals, you know she's already a genius and a multi you know billionaire, you know, and she's not doing any of those things at all right now you know her goal is to attain godhood ostensibly for that but i don't i don't think i would argue that that's what her actual goal is it's power it's ascending it's ruling my only pushback on that would be that those are human goals and and john is not a human that that power is not human and those are those are human thoughts and that's not comparable to you can see the 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 fucking quirks on the floor like that becomes so much more important and fundamental to reality than anything else someone might be feeling because you can live on infinitely and experience infinite whatever you are but 0.01 whatever the fuck percentage of a fuck to that to that point uh i think she i think she accomplishes her to-do list you know for like whatever her immediate to-do list is Wipe out nuclear weapons, blah, blah, blah. Kill all the racists, blah, blah, blah. And then she becomes disinterested and becomes a god, whatever that entails. I think I think it's more nuanced than that. I, I think a thing that's kind of lost in Watchmen is that people have described Dr. Manhattan as, as um, his ascension is, is the result of his apathy... And I, I don't think it's that one for one. I, I I think John, when he becomes ascended, is still like a puppet of the U.S. government and Watchmen. He, you know, wipes out and ends the Vietnam War at the behest of the American government, which is a very complex human thing to do. Um, well, it's a very puppet thing to do. Yeah, sure. A lot of people, you know, are puppets or whatever, but... I, I think of the ending of All-Star Superman where I feel like a comparable character is Lex Luthor where she has the resources, trillions of dollars to do a lot of these things as is and she chooses not to and in the end of that book Lex Luthor is able to see things in the way that Superman is able to and Superman makes the point that you could have done all this and chose not to and that's what this is this is a character who chooses not to use the resources she has because she has visions of grandeur but to that uh the reason john is a puppet is because he's allowed to do his experiments he's allowed to to facilitate and continue to to learn and to continue to do the things that do interest him murdering people doesn't he doesn't care 
he, he, we see that when a uh, comedian shoots that that woman, he does nothing, and he does similar things in 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 other scenarios. He he ends up performing experiments, uh, at, regardless. Anyway, obviously, he fucks off. It still yeah. does his shit. To the point about Lady True, I actually feel like um, whether or not she is an, an egotistical, you know, megalomaniac is not the central factor as to why she does nothing with her trillions. I actually think the reason she does nothing is because there's nothing to be done. That the the, the show is saying that what that the only way to move forward is to address the fact that everyone is stuck that the world basically stopped when Ozzy did what he did and so there's nothing she could possibly do that would change that her mentality is we got to get rid of world hunger we got to get rid of you know these missiles because if we don't as soon as things go as soon as we try to progress we're going to just destroy ourselves and have all the same problems we've always had and those problems cannot be taken care of and handled by her trillions they can be handled by dr manhattan and the show watchmen and doomsday clock all make the same point that dr manhattan sucks that <laughs> as a god he's yeah. trash yep. and lady true as rich as she is doesn't have the power to solve the world's problems and i think that that's a really important message but she does develop like cloning stuff she does develop like flight technology i don't think that she necessarily doesn't try to advance something i think to your point she just doesn't have all of the means to address the, the things that she actually cares about she can she can tackle certain things and within certain limitations but in order to do it without having to worry about wealth and having to do like all the extra stuff needed in order to address those situations whereas she can just do it with a snap of a finger that i think is is the she, she's trying to like like sort of shortcut her way there yeah, yeah, and that's what I that's what I that's what I'm saying is this is a woman who is goal driven, so she's gonna she's gonna knock out this to do list snap of her fingers and then whatever. They did such yeah, a good job of introducing her character. Uh, she puts down an hourglass three minutes with this couple, and she gets exactly what she wants in three minutes in a very sensitive subject. That, that she, sets the entire tone for the character for the rest of, the, what, six episodes or whatever. Yeah, I I don't agree with Mark on a moral level about how he feels about her, but she's certainly a very compelling character. <laughs> That's Marco's waifu. Marco is Lady True. <laughs> if Marco is a trillionaire, probably. <laughs> what do you guys think about that, though? The, the idea that in both alternative futures, uh, Dr. Manhattan is viewed as trash at what he does. He's kind of like um, the opposite of Spider-Man, where Spider-Man learns this lesson of, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And he's like, all, with all power comes no responsibility. I just don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to involve myself. Why do you think it is that both futures make it a point to not only kill him, but, and I guess it's debatable in HBO's Watchmen, but... You know, for the sake of what I'm trying to say right now, give the power away to someone else. I think it's I think I think one thing that's interesting is 
in Doomsday Clock, the way we re- the way we really see John experiment, um, and we we see that to a degree in HBO's Watchmen, but uh, with the issue in Doomsday Clock about uh, Carver Coleman and that relation to Superman, um, how as you know, as Pete uh, stated earlier, as a man of science, he he you know plucks things out of existence and then puts them back and then pushes things a certain way or pushes it back and i think i think as a as a man of science that's that's john osterman still just kind of trying to figure out how things are uh and that carries over through dr manhattan and what that ends up being is inaction um, and I think I think what's what's interesting about both versions is is the idea that action is what's needed, not experimenting, but doing something, making something happen, uh, finding a catalyst, and continuing with the experiment, as it were. I think uh, to to build on that point too, I think the reason that people's perception of Dr. Manhattan is that he's an asshole is because he ultimately is, you know, and in our Watchmen uh, book, we talked about how I definitely think of him as a tragic character and I have empathy for his struggle to adapt to his situation. But that being said, he says that things are inevitable and he can't be an actor because of fate and everything, but he absolutely is an actor. He makes tons of actions and like the, like him ending the Vietnam war is an action. That's him affecting fate and him playing a role in the world because of some misplaced sense of, you know, he says he, I was trying to be a hero. I was trying to be, you know, there's a specific conversation that John in the show calls out all those things he was trying to achieve at other people's whims. Right. And his inaction is refusing to make choices, but he still does things all the time. He makes plenty of choices. He decides whether he's going to act on someone's orders or not act on someone's orders. He decides to conduct his experiments or not conduct those experiments. Like he is an actor as much as he wants to act like he's not. And I think Hooded Justice calls it out in the the final episode of the show where he says, you know, for what he was, he could have done more. See, I think I, I understand why you look at it that way, but at least the way I look at it, Dr. Manhattan is still a puppet just like everyone else. He just can see the strings. He's aware of the fact that there's a almost preordained nature to life. And he has to he has to live on that track just like the rest of us do. But he lives through it all all the time. So when he's acting he's only acting because it's what he what he did what happened not what he's choosing to do in this particular moment and the show i think uh and i want to get your guys feedback on this as well i feel like the show is the best representation of the way that dr manhattan's uh the way he experiences time because he's he he says uh uh, long story short basically he's he can't influence things 
he can only live through things. So, for example, when he when he walks into the bar and he tells Angela, oh, yeah, um, uh, you know, I want to go on a date with you. You're going to go on a date with me tomorrow because I love you. And uh, she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, well, your parents died. And this is that's why you're here. It's the anniversary. And then in 20, she, she's like, well, how do you know that? He's like, well, in 20 minutes, you're going to tell me. 20 minutes pass. She tells him. And he's like, I'm sorry, your parents died. And he has this very yeah. real reaction. <laughs> oh, shit, your parents died? Yeah, yeah. But it's because he knows that happened. But there's a difference for him between knowing the thing and then actually, like, living through the thing. He can't change what happens. He can't alter that. Mm. But he's aware of it at all times. Getting right. the Getting the context of it in the moment. Yes. Right, and, right. In, in, in the experience. Because it, 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 he lives in a de- deterministic, I, I wouldn't say preordained, I would say deterministic world and that's his reality and because of that reality based off of his transformation he's just able to experience the determinism from start to end where doomsday clock tries to make the assertion that he is narrow-minded in that and that he can actually open like because he believes he's pre-determined in his life he actually isn't seeing the web of possibilities of a non-predetermined life. That was kind of the last issue of Doomsday Clock. Yeah, right, because he sees how the future is going to play out, and then Superman makes a choice that surprises him, you know, and that, like, makes him realize. But, I mean, you can also argue this: a similar thing happens here with Ozzy and the development of the, the device in his life as Cal. You know, but, you're, but it, it's weird because... It's it's both, but neither, because he has that whole period of time where, in the way he experiences time, that doesn't apply, but he still sees when he becomes himself. It's very com- complicated. Um, as Cal, he's not an asshole. He's a very supportive and good dude. <laughs> yeah, but that's because but he's also, not him. Yeah, as soon as he becomes him, he leaves another woman. Uh, I, th- I think we disagreed on this uh, on the show on the we watched Watchmen, but uh, I-, I think it is him. Also, drops a bunch of eggs on the floor, doesn't clean it up. Real asshole. He move. didn't do it. He didn't do it. She did it. She tossed some shits. <laughs> she throws the eggs yeah. on the floor. Remember, she grabs it. He's like, no. Hey, listen. Hey, Marco. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but but to your point, Phil, I think the the show understands uh, Doctor Manhattan better than Doomsday Clock. And and that's why I think the end for Doomsday Clock isn't at, it, it doesn't feel like it it has a synergy with uh, the original Watchmen story for me for his character. Yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to bring this up at some point. Phil said it in our last Doomsday Clock review. He said that like at the end of the day, this is a Superman story that uses Watchmen to make its point. And I I think that's like. That's the major juxtaposition in my mind is that I think maybe on like a technical level, you know, like particularly in the art, um, Doomsday Clock might feel more like Watchmen at times. But I think that the the HBO show is it, it is a Watchmen story in a, in a way that Doomsday Clock isn't. And I think that Damon definitely and, and the team, obviously, but I think he gets Watchmen uh, in a real fundamental way. Maybe. And I don't disagree with the Doomsday Clock point. I think that's true. It was but, your point, so I would hope not. Well, you'd be surprised how often I contradict myself. 
<laughs> He's just like, that's bullshit. I don't agree oh, with that. To quote Phil in the last episode, you made him fucking spit out his drink. Oh, <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. That's funny. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if I feel like he understands the source material fundamentally. I. I still at times sort of feel like characters like Adrian Veidt and, and Manhattan are kind of tacked on to a. Uh, I. I feel like this is a more intimate story about uh, an abstraction of American history in the same way Watchmen is, but when I think it actually comes time to utilize characters from that book, I still kind of feel like they're sort of tacked on. Uh, Not all of them. Like, I think Lori feels like she fits in the story well, who we haven't talked a lot about yet, uh, her her utilization. But um, I feel like he understands the... themes of Watchmen really well and made a spiritual successor to that. Let me let me yeah, let me ask you that. Do you do you guys feel like I lost it? Oh man, second time this episode. <laughs> you got to take your nostalgia pills, dude. It was a good one. It was a good one. It was going to lead us down a whole fucking trail, too. Well, you think about that. Do you guys think that the show that the the plot of the show could have been done without the Watchmen characters and still have been a Watchmen story. That's what I was thinking about after watching the show, and I feel like you could have he could have probably told a very similar story without the Watchmen characters. Ugh, shut up, I got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you think that? So uh, the the reason that. I think both uh, both of these stories succeed in telling their new characters in their new character stories. Yes, uh, I think. Uh, do you think that Ozymandias and and Manhattan they're they're like the driving narrative of Watchmen, like their two stories? So. With Phil saying that they feel tacked on to Watchmen, and I would even argue to a degree they feel tacked on to Doomsday yes, Clock. Yes, absolutely. Do you do you think that that's why? Like maybe the the new characters are what's driving this new thing forward and making it making that part successful, but not those parts. Um. I I would respond to that by building on a point that Sean made earlier, where I think that the characters that are utilized the best in both works are characters who the existing characters that were not very well developed. Um, because the legacy character that I think is used the best in in this is um, is Hooded Justice, who's a character that is you know mentioned really in name only uh, in the original, and in Doomsday Clock, I I thought Mothman was one of the most compelling usages of a a legacy character and i i think again it's because as a minuteman we don't know him very well so you can build on him in a way where his legacy has impact but it's not drudging up another character but i would argue that i i i think that ozzy's the the amount of time spent on ozzy's story i i agree leads to him feeling kind of tacked on but i would argue that like laurie is is definitely well utilized the 
imagery of Rorschach is well utilized in a similar way that Night Owl is well utilized. And I think it's it's those moments where the fact that those characters don't take up most of the the air, they're, they're more plot devices. Because even Dr. Manhattan, he's only relevant in the last two episodes, you know? And I think that's to the story's benefit. I was thinking about that too. And so the two characters that we get like a direct continuation of other than Laurie are, are Ozzy and Manhattan in, in both books. And they feel, to me at least, a little bit tacked on. But Rorschach is the other part of this kind of triangle. And in both books, the way that characters' values are interpreted and expressed are really interesting without Walter actually being in the book or in the show. So you have Reggie, who never even knew Walter, really, taking up a mantle based on his perception of that person. And this, the works that have been published of, of Rorschach's journal have been uh, interpreted in such a way by a fanatical cult of white supremacists that, again, it's not Walter, it's their interpretation. And and, and so that has that, that bred two very interesting story and character directions for both works without actually having Walter ever be in either. And I, and I, to build on that, I would, I would argue that the show uses those characters better and makes them feel less tacked on because I remember one of the major gripes we had at the end of Doomsday Clock was that a lot of the Watchmen characters are not really actors, you know, at least by the end of the story in the grand scheme of things like, Ozzy scheming to get all those characters to the Watchmen universe like sets everything up, but the the ultimate actors in the story are Doctor Manhattan and Superman. So a lot has been said uh, when it comes to the Watchmen characters and their appearances in these two new stories. I think that I'm a little surprised that you guys feel that there was any amount of of, of them being tacked on in HBO's Watchmen because. I thought that they were used very, very effectively. So Laurie is is the most underutilized character in the original Watchmen, in my opinion. And the show really redeems her in a lot of ways. It makes her a person who makes decisions, who has likes and dislikes. And she is the person who carries over the values, maybe. Maybe that's not the right word, but the of of Watchmen the most. She is very cynical. She doesn't have time for bullshit. She's not about the mass anymore. She's not with any of that. And she constantly pokes and prods at people who are involved in hero worship. She, she's not interested in it. She is the, the, the Alan Moore carryover in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... I thought that that was an incredible use of a character who was this open, uh, uh, who was this blank slate because Alan didn't do much with her to begin with. And this is 30 years later. She was the youngest character, the most room to grow. So I'm so glad that of all the Watchmen characters who got carried over, she was the one that they spent the most time with. Uh, when it comes to Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan his fingerprints are all over the story before he makes an actual appearance because of the fact that his existence changed the world so much. That is really the thing that differentiates our real world from the Watchmen world in the comic is that they have Dr. Manhattan and we don't. 
That's the biggest difference. And so it it stands to reason that his his uh, impact on the world would not have been erased thirty years later just because he's not around. That's a crazy thing to have happened, right? Uh, and so when he finally does appear, I think that it actually adds a whole new wrinkle to the show and to what the show is trying to say because now you have to evaluate the show's cultural commentary while you deal with the fact that there's a god that there's a real god and if there is a real god why the hell does this kind of stuff still have to be dealt with why is it that a regular ass black dude whose family and everyone he ever knew was obliterated a hundred years ago still has to try to be the one to stop racism when there's a god who could just erase it who could just stop it you have to now be confronted with that so it's not so much what he does or doesn't do is what he represents for the rest of the show and what it's trying to say. And that's an extremely effective use for a character, him and Ozzy, whose stories are already over. The Watchmen, the Watchmen sh- uh, comic book ends their stories. It doesn't matter what Dr. Manhattan does after the story. It doesn't matter what Ozzy does after the story. So to bring them into the show and make them these major players would have actually felt weird because there's nothing more to say. So the way they are used, I thought was totally effective. Like I, I and to that point, like I, I think that Ozzy's most significant contribution is the legacy of his actions and the fact that because of him, Lady True exists. You know. Like he's most important in relation to her. I think I think I think that's a good point of why I I, I delineate a little bit because uh, you're right, Watchmen. And this is what's so challenging about telling stories with characters whose story arcs end with the original source material. Um, whether it's like the original Star Wars trilogy and trying to make a new series with characters whose stories are over or or this or anything of that nature. Um, going into this, the challenge clearly was, and ditto for Doomsday Clock, is what do you do with characters whose stories have been resolved? And when, when their actions are the impetus for this, of the... When their actions from the original source material are the impetus of what happens in Doomsday Clock and in in Watchmen, uh, the TV show, um, that is enough, I think, of an inciting incident for something. But when you have to include those characters as actors as well, uh, that's the challenge. And uh, because their story is over, that's why I think their impact is less meaningful than all the characters who stories weren't resolved or are new characters altogether. Uh, but they're t- supposed to be that way. I think they're not supposed to have the same impact because they're not the main. They're not the main characters, and I would argue that they're not really actors. Oz, I, the only reason I would argue that Ozzy feels tacked on at all is because of how much time we spend on him being trapped, you know, and that that doesn't ultimately matter. What matters is when he returns and the very small role he plays at the end, you know, like and and I think. You should feel that way. And the reason that Lori works so well is because the resolution of her storyline in Watchmen is that she is struggling with the end of a chapter of her life. And where we meet her, she's established in the next chapter. Marco, what's your take? I, I was going to make the just the, the analogy between the, the two new characters or the new characters that we that we have um, and the utilization. Because I agree that the, the two 
biggest ones, uh, Osmond Dias and, and Dr. Manhattan, they only appear for, well, Dr. Manhattan at least, appears for a short amount of time and is actually an actor for only a short period in, in both series. Uh, to, to in, in the sense that uh, ultimately other characters around them really decide the fate of the story. Um, and while and while we have these new characters, their utilization is best, I think, represented in the show compared to the, the book. Um, or compared to Doomsday Clock, at least. Uh, I mean, that was just the, the thought going through my mind while you guys were talking about it. So, I, I think it's interesting in the case of Dr. Manhattan specifically, the way that he's used across both these splinter timelines. Because in... HBO's Watchmen, the biggest problem, the only problem that I had with that character was how weak he was. He doesn't, he's, he doesn't, uh, he can't stop the 7th Cavalry from, you know, capturing him, and he can't stop Lady True from killing him. And even with him being this passive god who doesn't ever take action, Doomsday Clock and Watchmen both show us that he would not allow himself to be taken out like that. Uh, on the on Mars, when he's confronted by the Justice League, he just like lets them do whatever they're going to do, and they try, and they obviously fail very mightily to kill him. And then he's just like, all right, whatever, I'm done with this. Um, but they can't really destroy him. And yet in HBO's Watchmen, you know, regular-ass people are able to take him down. But the consequence of Doomsday Clock presenting him in all his glory is that he actually is ultimately the only character whose decision-making matters. Because he's the one who alters the timeline to disrupt the lives of all these heroes. He's the one who erases the, the, the Justice Society and thus altering Superman's trajectory. He kills Superman's parents. He does all these things. That's what sets them on this course in, in, you know, for Rebirth. But then he also decides, all right, maybe I don't want to subject them to this. I'm going to roll this back. And that's it. And, and, and it's rolled back. So how effective was Johns really in developing these developing a story that that furthered the narrative for all these characters when ultimately dr manhattan does something that he never has done before in watchmen or hbo's watchmen where he actually just is a deus ex machina i think the point alan moore was was going for was to not do that and yes yeah john's explicitly missed that point in my opinion maybe he was making a point by changing that because of how important Superman was. You can make that argument, but I think just analyzing Dr. Manhattan as a character across all these media, that's not something that's consistent with the character, in my opinion. I, I, I agree with that. That, that. that was, upon rereading it, was my, my issue because, again, the way that the, sh- that the show represents Dr. Manhattan, I think, is, is more accurate in that he's passive. He lives in a deterministic world where he wouldn't go off and, and affect these things because he doesn't, he doesn't care as much as he can toy with these things. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's not preordained to do these things. And upon doing those things, it sets off new timelines, which inherently in his, in his world and his perception, that doesn't exist. That, that's, that's, that's an impossibility because it's just not reality to him. 
Um, and I, 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 and that's why I, I think I like the show and the representation of that character a little bit more. Um, and it goes back to what Phil says. It's a Superman, it's a Superman comic. It, in, in Superman's world, you can do that. In comics, you can do that. And that was my biggest frustration. I remember when we reviewed, uh, Doomsday 12, my biggest criticism was it just circled back on itself. And, and time doesn't do that. T- time doesn't do that. It continues forward. It, it, it creates a lasting ripple. And that is something that the show succeeds in- incredibly in. Whereas the comic, it goes back because, you know, you make an allusion to editorial, you make uh, whatever symbolism to comics as a whole, but that's not the Watchmen story. Watchmen isn't that kind of a comic. It's not that kind of a superhero story. And to that, uh, I, I agree, Sean. I think he, he missed the point. John's. I think John's puts Superman over and puts this editorial, like, choice that needs to happen with restructuring the universe over at the expense of Dr. Manhattan. It's a weird reconstruction of a deconstruction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think to Sean's point, I don't, I think you can make the argument that it makes sense given the fact that he is a character with a linear mindset who goes to a world that isn't linear and how does that impact him and everything and fair enough. But I, I think it's ultimately not that satisfying because less because of what it changes about Dr. Manhattan and more to Sean's point about it using him as a deus ex machina and making it so that at the end of the day, like the last issue or the last two issues of Doomsday Clock are the only ones that really matter. They're the only ones where any, like you could, you can look at and all of the stuff that happens before, like all of Ozzy's actions, all of Rorschach seconds actions, like Mime and Marionette, like none of those characters matter at all. And it sucks because they're all actually really great. Yeah, yeah, and they are. And those issues about them are great. Um, you know, and you could argue the journey's worth the destination, but uh, when you when you compare those characters to characters like Angela or Lady True, they don't measure up because they don't have complete arcs, and their actions don't matter, and they don't really grow or change like as much as they should. Whereas, like. We like Angela is a is a fantastic leading character, and she's compelling, and she her actions totally matter because her her relationship to her grandfather and how that ties to the legacy of superheroes to where they are right now and how her relationship to Doctor Manhattan is the conduit that sets everything in motion. All of her actions matter. The entire story. And in the same way that, like, Lady True is a phenomenal antagonist, you know? And she is an actor. She orchestrates everything, you know? And and even Looking Glass, who is, by comparison, a minor character, he's an actor. And, he, and his actions matter, and he has an arc that means something. You see where he starts and how he, like, overcomes his trauma, you know? Like, and, and you can't say that about any of the Doomsday Clock characters, as much as they're great and likable, they they ultimately don't matter and they don't go anywhere. I think the only one you could you could argue for, I would argue for, is Reggie because he does have a, a clear arc and does get what he needs to get in the end. Uh, and I think that a, a part of why those those other characters are less successful 
is because it's a comic and there's less space. And, you know, I, I, I would be really interested to see what John's follow-up for Doomsday Clock looks like without any DC characters at all. What what would it look like if he didn't have? And this was his choice. It's not like he was mandated to to include them. But I wonder what he would have done if he didn't include any of that other stuff at all. Um, Doctor Manhattan's only purpose in the TV show was to create life for Ozymandias to kill over and over again. Uh, you lost me there. Uh, well, and to die. And to die. No, I, I was trying to make a, a dumb joke. Okay. Because he created life. Well, you, you succeeded at that. Oh, oh, right. But it was just for Ozzy to kill repeatedly over and over. Just like, just like Phil in this joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure did, folks. There you go. Well, much like John's, there you put Kale over at the expense of yourself. So there you go. <laughs> John's does that to Kale. You're right. So. When it comes to Ozzy, and, you know, as we get closer to, to wrapping up here, I feel like he he uh, fares a little bit better in the comparison between Doomsday Clock and HBO's Watchmen. I do feel like he's a more consistent character. But in reading rereading Doomsday Clock, one of the biggest issues that I had was I, and, and please correct me if, if you got it better, but I don't really understand what the hell he thought he was going to do because yeah if uh, especially in the second half of yeah, his plan if 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 Johnny Thunder who Ozzy had d- didn't know about right if he doesn't find the lantern then Ozzy can't summon Dr. Manhattan he needed the lantern and he needed comedian and he didn't know comedian was alive so what was the game plan once he gets to the dc world i don't really understand that my sorry were you finished uh sure sure my understanding was his goal was to use bubastis as uh a, a compass to find traces of manhattan which would have led him to uh the lantern okay all those other characters aside and like oh Oh, uh, the dc characters aside and and okay but it's like if if johnny thunder doesn't get the lantern right where the hell is ozzy getting the lantern you know it it felt it didn't feel tight it feels convenient half-baked i yeah i don't i don't think i don't think they're related and I think that's why it's a bit frustrating, because I think I think the idea is that Ozzy would have found the lantern with Bubastis, whether Johnny Thunder was there or Maybe. not, and like that was like, like we see that as like the first step of his plan, but like that may have been the entirety of his plan. Because <laughs> like at, at that point, why even go see Lex Luthor? It was just it was just like really like you're doing a lot of nothing, and then you get lucky. That's how I saw it. No, I, I think you're right, Sean. Like, I think, I think that makes his characterization in that in Doomsday Clock by the end of it feel inconsistent because, like, he is the man with a plan. You know, like that's his whole thing is scheming, and you know they make a huge point in the show of being like he sends he records a video to send to Robert Redford like 
what, nine years or something before he gets elected? And he's like, how could I have predicted this with such incredible accuracy? I didn't. I orchestrated it. I orchestrated it all. And you're telling me that his plan is to get there, and he's like, I'm pretty sure I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's it. not Ozzy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Phil plan. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's get in the car and we'll see where we go. It's like a Phil joke. Yeah, there's unfortunately <laughs> very true. There's that moment oh, in the original damn. Watchmen where, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, when Ozzy tells them their plan and he's like, all right, well, or they're like, all right, well, we're just going to stop you. And he's like, stop me. I, you think I left room for that? Like, he's yeah, so. It's already over. Yeah, he's so strategic and meticulous that it's hard for me to believe that he would have left the kind of holes that were in the book that needed to be filled by other characters' actions. Think about think about how much thought he puts into like his plan to escape the prison and you're telling me that he wouldn't put like that much thought into going to another universe and like, oh, what am I going to do when I get there? How like it, it, it feels very half-baked for a character that's all about the plan. It it feels like what what Sean was saying about uh, Dr. Manhattan being a, a passive and sort of ineffective in that he let regular people catch him and then Lady True kills him. That's sort of how Ozzy feels in Doomsday Clock. Just sort of impotent. Oh, well, to, to be fair to the show, they do express that because he gets his memories back, he has to like re- rewire, re- reset sort of what, what he's been experiencing. So they get him in a technically like in a, in a weakened and non, non-constituent uh, listen, state. I, I like the way Manhattan was taken down. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but Ozzy did not fare as well in Doomsday Clock. Sure. So- I agree, Marco. The only problem I have is that he's clearly aware of what's about to happen. And in typical Dr. Manhattan fashion, he chooses to do nothing about it. And that's why I like it. Because if if he chooses to do nothing, that means that he already knows that it's going to happen. And that is what it is. And I can accept that because that's his character. But what I couldn't accept would be, you know, oh, God, I'm disoriented and they got me somehow uh, you know that that for me that's that's silly for a, for a god to to be just taken down by some white thugs some white supremacist thugs i don't i don't buy that um, shoot him in the head with the bullets it'll disorient him some more <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah i guess you know we're we're kind of rounding out the conversation here and what do you ultimately feel about these two splinter timelines for the original Watchmen, do you think... I mean, I think based on this conversation, it's pretty clear we probably favor the show in terms of being a, a successor, if you will. Um, but but do, you, do you think that they, that they ultimately get the point? Uh, do you think either one of them was... Maybe necessary is not the right word, but worthy... Of, of what the original Watchmen laid down? I think the, the show made me like Doomsday Clock less. Aha! Remember when we said that? Kale and I said that shit, and Marco too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree with you guys. Like, I, I think that the things I like the most about Doomsday Clock are 
the execution of the first, uh, you know, probably like nine or so issues. You know, like the 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 craft that's put into it, I think is is good. You know, like the fact that it ends on such a dud, like doesn't make the setup not enjoyable. Like the art is fantastic, and I think a lot of the plotting is clever, and it establishes new and interesting characters. It unfortunately, I think, fumbles the ball at the end. But I, to me, the thing that really makes Watchmen the more HBO's Watchmen the more like quote unquote worthy successor or, or what have you is that I think it has a lot more to say. And I think it has a lot more to say about Watchmen, not Superman. And that's ultimately what sucks about Doomsday Clock, is that Doomsday Clock was billed as a Watchmen successor. It feels like a Watchmen successor. And then it kind of fakes you out at the end to be like, but here's some commentary that I have about Superman and the nature of comic books. And and those are all things that are interesting. And, I, you know, like there are plenty of books that do that well. But, you know, I think to put Watchmen under to put that over is to the detriment of the overall series and it's and its package is lesser for it whereas HBO's Watchmen is a it's it's truly a successor it it tries to pick up on the threads that can be picked up in ways that are you know relevant to telling a new story for a new age and a new audience and it's successful at doing that more than it isn't yeah, I, I I agree with you, Pete. Um, and and I'll answer the the question in sort of in, in two ways. I think as a successor to the 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 original graphic novel, I I, I do think that I, I definitely agree with Pete that the show executes it a little bit better, has more to say, and and I think understands the original text a bit more and can build off of that. Um, whereas Doomsday Clock, it again, uh, I, I definitely agree. It started up the setup very, very well. It, it built up the drama. I, I was enthralled up until um, I would say like issue 11 even. Uh, it, there, were, there were just moments where you know the there were tense moments, there were really action-packed moments and I, I, I had a good time reading it month to month um, but then reading it Try again? <laughs> oh, well, reading it, you know, issue by issue. <laughs> year to year. Quarterly. <laughs> but reading it issue to issue, I do think the that, that drama was there and worked very effectively. But reading it again as a collected issue, back to back, as a collected piece, back to back, there are definitely some, a couple flaws that you can, you can sort of see. Um, and that's how I answer your question, uh, in a different way is as, as a whole, uh, by itself, excluding the Watchmen piece of it, obviously you need the context for it. But like, as as a unique piece of art, I do think that there there are things about it that that definitely shine. But it goes back to that last issue where it circles back on itself and it it tries to retain somewhat of a status, like a status quo. And uh, that to me is always frustrating because. For me, uh, that kind of a comic book should have some sort of enduring, lasting impact. And if you bring it back to the conscious of Watchmen, it absolutely needs that, because that is the the an 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 essence of that original uh, piece of work. And I think as a as a whole, the Watchmen show is masterful in that, in in standing by itself and standing, not in the shadow, but standing next to that that piece of work 
Well said. I feel like it makes Doomsday Clock look like a pastiche more than a, a proper follow-up. Mm. Mm. I and I think I think my thing about Doomsday Clock is it it uses neat buzzwords like terrorism and weaponized phones and it tries to it tries to feel relevant while using old Jeff Johns plots. Hmm. You-, you know, the 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 Black Adam Kondak superhero uh, worldwide superhero uh problem superman theory that, or whatever that that came sorry the superman theory yes that came that came around uh in 52 and even before that um so it just i don't know reading it again that all the the cool watchmen stuff as as we said to me was lost uh in in all that like it didn't feel it felt it felt like a a watchman story being i mean as we've said uh, throughout this a watchman story being tacked on to dc events and that's not to be i guess to me that's not watchman um and i don't in in that effect to me that makes it that makes it a failure as a successor uh but i find the tv show more interesting because it does really it does really try to tackle something and it really tries to tackle something that's real and tangible um and it it does it well uh for the most part so yeah i I guess i guess if if we're gonna judge uh the worthiness scale yeah i i sit on the TV show all day. You can go ahead, Phil. Um, they're both pretty good. Not as good as the Watchmen book. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Was that up for debate? or No, just... just <laughs> I, um, I enjoy HBO's Watchmen more. <laughs> I'll put that out <gasps> there. Really? Shit, I missed that question. <laughs> um, I feel like that's more interesting. You want to explain? Sure. Uh, so, I think that the original Watchmen is phenomenal. It misses the mark when it comes to social commentary. I don't really feel like it has a ton to say about people. It has a lot to say about, you know, global politics and, you know, war and heroes and mass and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it didn't really... It, it, it doesn't really impact me on a level of talking about the things that I feel like need to be talked about. And so it does. It has a lot of bite in other places, but in that specific place, it just wasn't working for me. And I understand why it's like that, because that's what the world was about. But I think that Alan Moore could have dug a little deeper, for me personally. And maybe there wasn't space. I, I get that. There, you know, 12 issues is not a lot. Um, and it, <laughs> and those fucking scripts are packed to the yeah, gills. absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not like uh, maligning him for it, but that's just how I feel. Whereas the show, uh, it takes what the original Watchmen did, and obviously, I don't think the show functions without the without the original text. But it takes what what the original book did, and it says, okay, cool. Well, 
there's all that, but then here's also this social commentary. Here's also these characters who feel very relevant today, right now. Um, whereas, you know, I, I like I don't I don't connect, and I don't know why anyone would really connect with anyone from the original Watchmen. Um, and I get that you're not really supposed to, but it is what it is. And yeah, I just the 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 new Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, touched me and impacted me as a human being and taught me things about human beings in ways that the original Watchmen doesn't hold a candle to. And for me, when it comes to storytelling, that's more important. Hmm. I, I, I would push back a little bit on that just, just in terms of uh, to what I brought up like at, at the start, where in terms of scale... I think I think the because the Watchmen show is in a much smaller scale as much as it you know goes to Vietnam and 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 does what it does. I do think that because of what it tries to address, which is the town of Tulsa, or the city of Tulsa, uh, you're you have some more of that space, whereas the larger implications of Watchmen don't necessarily don't necessarily allow for some of the smaller aspects because then you can you can say you know culturally race wars well, r- race wars are cultural to, to an extent as well and because you're focusing this larger piece you can't touch upon a very specific kind of uh cultural or racial war yeah like i said i understand why the original watchman is what it is and i'm not i don't i don't malign it nor do i think yeah, yeah, yeah. i just it's just at that point preference I it should be supposed to you exactly more. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, okay. I, I totally entertain that. I mean, I, I think it's definitely um, it's it's of re- it's of relative quality. I think in its own medium, you know, where like it, it's definitely very very well executed. You know, it's it's a it's a high performing piece. You know, um, so yeah, I I think that totally makes sense. I would also make the argument that uh, H uh, HBO's Watchmen is to the original Watchmen in originality. In terms of the presentation of the work, whereas Doomsday mm-hmm. Clock is very much just trying to ape what the original work did. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, like when I said that it was like a pastiche, it feels almost like a study of what Watchmen is and how it works, you know, and like trying not necessarily just to replicate it, but like to say something about it through emulating it, you know, like it feels almost like when you have. Um, like a musician or, or artist who like does uh uh like like how Childish Gambino's last album was like an exploration of like a lot of like seventies like soul and like it, it feels like it's like trying to say something by exploring a culturally relevant work. You know? Um the thing that both Watchmen and HBO's Watchmen lacks, in my opinion, that Doomsday Clock has is Dr. Manhattan telling Superman that nothing matters, and Superman saying, actually, it does. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> so you never got to state your, you know, your feelings. <laughs> oh, those were his feelings. <laughs> so, wrap it up. Third um, time's a charm. Yeah, okay. Um, it's, it's a feeling I have with a lot of, kind of, sequels and adaptations. Um, the, 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 thing that works best about HBO's Watchmen and 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 Doomsday Clock is when it when it was trying to do something 
different from the original Watchmen and and trying to distance itself from characters and even themes that were uh, prevalent in the original source material because at the end of the day, the original source material said what it had to say better than anything else could because it's the thing that said it. And so when HBO Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen um, was trying to make a create and craft a story about race in America in in the lens of of superhero stories um, and and that legacy that was really distinct that was something really fresh and every angle that had to deal with 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 Tulsa and 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 um, uh, uh, Angela was very dynamic and I, I think the themes that the show utilizes to tell that story are in vain with the original source material and I think that's really effective um, but when it really tries to start rooting itself in Watchmen stuff it, it, it becomes less effective because how it's I just think it's so challenging to try to take something that's already a perfect artifact and try to do something different with the things that were already done in that book. You know what I mean? And that's even more true in Doomsday Clock. Yeah, I mean, Doomsday Clock doesn't really do anything new. You know, like, it, it to Sean's point, it tries to recapture the magic, and it does it to, to really no, no significant end. You know, whereas I think... You know, it, your mileage may have varied on on some of its connections to the past, but I, I don't think you can argue that w- the HBO's Watchmen doesn't make good usage of its source material. Like it's it's informed by it in a way that is in its DNA, not just in the way that it tells a story, but also in the fact that it takes the history of that universe and allows it to inform the work, you know, and that's shown best through Hooded Justice and the the episode that focuses on the Minutemen. I, I don't agree with those points at all. So for me, I, I think it's pretty clear based on what I've said that I feel like HBO's Watchmen is a successful successor. I think that it tries to be different and unique in the ways that the original Watchmen tried to be different and unique, but with a different take than the original had. And I think that that's very important. I think that Doomsday Clock had an opportunity to be similar because the I feel the Superman theory stuff is really interesting in the sense that being able to look at uh, DC's heroes through the lens of Watchmen is really compelling. Ozymandias' conversation with Batman I thought was really great where he's kind of saying like, wait a second, why are there so many of you? Why are your villains alive? What like what is what is this? Why are they in jail? Why are you still dealing with these people? No one, no one really challenges the way that comics operate within the comics the way that Ozzy did, and I think only a character like Ozzy could do that that way. Um, and especially when you consider everything that was happening around them at the same time where Batman has now become persecuted by the people and they don't want him anymore and Wonder Woman has retreated and I think that there were so many compelling things that could have led to a tremendous story that could have been a worthy 
uh, successor, but it fails as soon as it forces these characters to play roles that they've already played and stops looking at them uh, against each other. Whereas HBO's Watchmen is unburdened by having to address an entirely different cast of characters from a different universe who operate differently. Um, Ultimately, though, I do think that both of them were worth having. I I feel like both of them were worth making. I don't feel like either one of them shits on or steps on what Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons were trying to do originally. Uh, And even if Doomsday Clock doesn't succeed, I'm glad that they tried because it was an honest and earnest attempt and not a cash grab. And I'll never feel like that. I'll never feel like it was a cash grab. And I think Jeff Johns, flawed as it may be, really did do the best he could do to try to tell a story that was worth being told. And for that reason alone, if and then you add on the quality, I'm very pleased and glad that it was made. Yeah. You know what was a cash grab? This episode, hey <laughs> We're the before Watchmen, baby! <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, Pete. No, no, you're fine, man. Uh, I was just going to build on your point and say that I, I think that the experience of Doomsday Clock was still enjoyable, even if the ending wasn't necessarily um, what we wanted or what we expected, you know? But I think... I, I think that's a major problem, honestly, with the way that we as a culture like look at and experience like art where th- if if you enjoyed the journey, I, I agree with Sean, it was worth it. Like it was worth what we got out of it and the conversations it had us have about its relation to the original work, you know? Um, and I think there's value in that and in having making the effort and then having the dialogue about how successful it was or wasn't. Do you guys feel like Doomsday Clock and the original Watchmen were both lacking lube, man? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so glad that he got brought up. <laughs> All right. This is the last thing we're going to. We're not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to tell you because you probably don't know Pete and Phil who that was. Do you know? Okay. No. Oh yeah, it was got to be the uh, the only other tall, gangly man to show, Laurie's uh, sidekick. Yes, it was PD. Yep. yep. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. Even, I didn't, didn't think you, about that. Did you edit the those episodes? Yeah, but like I intentionally the way I edited it was trying to avoid spoilers, so I looked for gaps and noise that I needed to cut out, you know. So I skimmed some stuff. And when you guys oh, started boy. talking about Lube Man, I was like, I don't want to know who he is. <laughs> Yeah, so for those of you who were curious... That's funny. Lube Man is Petey, and uh, he's no longer an FBI agent. He got fired, so... And he is the best character in Doomsday. That is the true end of Watchmen, by the way. And also, he's not the best character in Doomsday Clock. Did he did, uh, so did he, he sure escape? Is. Did he die in the squid rain, or is nah, he he's he's out at, there he's, being Lube Man? That's what uh, season two is going to be about. <laughs> Lube Man yeah. at large. Yeah, what with the fog, fog dancer? Fog dancer, yeah. That's yeah. That was his name. Well, that's <laughs> yes. Fo- fo- uh, fog dancers are people who go to the site of a battle or you know, like a situation in war and like clean it up, clean up the mess. You know, so uh, okay. We don't know what mess exactly he was cleaning up, but 
he was involved with something. And then, of course, another hint is the fact that he is present at the site of uh, Looking Glass having murdered all the 7th Cavalry members who went to his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, sure. He's definitely not cleaning up the lube. <laughs> he's using the lube. <laughs> so that's going to do it for our conversation about Watchmen, this Watchmen retrospective. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Obviously there is so much to be said about Watchmen, and I think I speak for the pals when I say that we're really happy that we got so much awesome Watchmen content because we're happy with the original, but... These things added a lot of layers and dimensions that can actually enhance your reading of the original, especially in the case of uh, HBO's Watchmen, because it adds things that you can you can see how how they could have been extrapolated from the original, like how um, like what happens with Hooded Justice. So. Let us know your thoughts about these three pieces of media, even if you want to talk to us about before Watchmen. Uh, Whatever you have to say about Watchmen, we're definitely interested in hearing about it. Uh, Obviously, we're going to take a little bit of a Watchmen break because we have talked a lot about it. But uh, that doesn't mean that we're not willing to engage in conversation about it going forward. I do want to let you guys know we have a Discord server. You can continue the conversation with us there. You can find a link to our Discord server in the description below. Wherever it is that you are listening to us, it will be there. And, of course, links to everything else that we do will be in the description. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, take care. See you next time. Goodbye. I ended this podcast 35 minutes ago. (laughs) Get the hell out of here.